The opinions expressed on the Joy Has Questions podcast are honest and based on the personal and professional experiences of myself and that of my guests. Therefore, I choose to share my experiences on my platform and it doesn't reflect the viewpoint of any corporation and or business entity. Woo! All righty. Now that we got that out the way, let's get on to the show. Hey, good people. It's your girl, Joy Has Questions, coming to you with another amazing episode, starting with You Better Know. Now, Black History on IG is always putting me on game, and this week was no less as they informed me about Janet Collins, who was the first prima ballerina to break color barriers in the 50s when she became the first African-American to dance with the Met Opera House. Now, Janet was born in New Orleans, March 17, 1917. Hey, fellow Pisces. And she was trained under Carmelita Marachi, who was one of the few dance teachers during the time to accept Black students. So at 15, she was invited to join the DeBasel Ballet Russo Company. And that was a huge accomplishment because this girl is literally a teenager. But they asked her to join with the stipulation that if she danced in whiteface, she would be welcome. This was effing ridiculous. And Janet was so enraged and heartbroken that she made it her mission that I'm going to be the best damn ballerina so that they can't deny me even based on my skin color. Now, she went on to fight and to put in the work in the 10,000 hours, and she broke that color barrier on November 13, 1951, after her performance in the production of Aida. Now, even with this feat of joining the Met Opera House, she still had to endure slaps in the face as racist Southern laws permitted her from dancing. She even had to watch her understudies, which no fault of their own, but they weren't as talented nor as experienced as her perform her parts. So Janet remained with the Met until 1954, and then she went on to dance within the U.S. as well as Canada, and she even became a teacher at the School of American Ballet, San Francisco Ballet School, and the Harkness House. But when we think about the women that came after her, the Misty Copelands, everyone else who is making waves within professional dance, they definitely owe an ode of gratitude to this woman breaking barriers, as do we all. And now let's get on to the rest of the show. Hey, everybody. So, you know, if there is one building on planet Earth that I go up for, it is the National Museum of African-American History and Culture, a.k.a. the Black Smithsonian. So I didn't need another reason to love this building, but now they done messed around and made the entire thing digital. So when I'm telling you I am running through this website right now like Lieutenant Uhura from Star Trek, it is not a game, people. They have activity booklets for the babies with affirmations, an entire race web portal for those hard but necessary conversations, and the exhibits are digital as well. So if you want to just take a little deep download, educate yourself, have a good time learning amazing Black history facts, this is the time to do it. Tell them Joy has questions sent you, and now let's get on to the rest of the show. Hello, everybody. Um, I don't even know. I can't even contain the smile that I have right now. I am so, so happy and blessed to have this good sis on my platform. Um, th there is no words for just the amount of stick to that she has in terms of showing up all the time, supporting everyone around her, not only on screen, but off screen. That is very hard to find sometimes within the entertainment industry, but you can see the authenticity just literally pour out of everything that she does. I feel like this call smells like shea butter and like, you know, Valentino, like it's just, it's just giving Lux right now. I'm all the way here for it. Um, so we have no other than the superstar herself, Miss Yvette Nicole Brown. How are you doing? Yes, that was an amazing intro. I'm doing I'm doing great. I just I just finished the the VU. So I just like threw my dress off and was like, let me you know, I want to be cute, but I want to be comfortable cute for my girl. So I was like, let me try to find something that's just more less up there, bring it down just a little bit. So you could have came good. in a I'm ball good. gown and I'd have been like, Sir, <laughs> yes, okay, <laughs> we need the sequence. But thank you so much. Um, jumping right into it, like you have a career that spans across like generations, decades, and on top of it, you've been able to reinvent yourself, which is something that I know can be difficult when it's in a fast moving industry like entertainment. 
how do you find it, you know, how do you find like, you know, those, those moments to like flow and ebb within your career? And like, how did this all get started in the first place? Well, I think it's important. I, I say this all the time to young people uh, in the industry, but it's really for any person in the world at any age, you got to know how, how to switch a lane every now and again. You know, we have the things that we love. We have the things that we're good at. And we, of course, should do those things first, but then also have like a little side hustle or something else you can bounce to. So how I started, I started as a singer. I was signed to Motown when I was a teenager. I was in the East Coast family with Michael Bibbins and Boys to Men and all that back in the day. We did a, a one song, one song. I did one song with them called One One for All, All for One. And there's a video. And if you look at the video, the name Yvette goes up and then I come up some stairs and that's me. So I started as a singer and thought, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be a singer. And, and uh, singing was like, I don't like you like that. <laughs> so that was my first time learning that the thing that you love, love, love may not be the thing that you're blessed to do as a career. So I just shifted to acting and started doing I did a, a stage play. I toured in um, His Woman, His Wife, a David E. Talbert play for eight months. And then I came and got a commercial agent, started doing commercials, then started doing sitcoms and then movies. And then it just, you know, it just took off from there. But throughout it all, it's like if if commercials slow down, I'm like, let me see if I can be a host. Let me see if I can do voiceover. You just kind of find another lane. That's what you you need to do just to keep yourself, your mind active, right? I love that. And I think on top of it, I think it speaks to a lot of times like just the lack of ego and the fact of like, look, like if, if this door doesn't open, I can get a crack here. This window can be open. I can completely like just morph and change. And I, I love that about you and, and the fact of how you're honest about that. Like you, I never go on your platform. It's just like all my life, I have not had to fight, you know, like you, you keep it real about that. Yeah. Because I think it, it, it allows other people to fail when you show your failures, right? If I'm going from mountaintop to mountaintop, there's no aspiration or inspiration for anybody in that. Cause then it looks like I'm magically delicious. Like there's something special about that event. Ain't nothing special about me. I just keep going. And, and the fact that I show when I fall and when I'm hurt and when I'm crying and when my heart's broken, I show those things because it lets people know it's okay. It's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to have a job not go your way. It's okay for a dude not to like you back. Like all of these things are okay. I try to show our our shared and combined humanity so that other people, when they wake up and they're having a bad day, they don't feel like it's just them. It's never just you. And every another thing, everybody ain't balling out of control like they pretending to be. Okay. Let's talk um, about like, that. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it, you got to understand that not everybody's showing their highlights is having a day full of highlights every day. And so I like to show, you know, the, the rough days too. I love that. I mean, and look, everyone has always been trying to keep up with the Joneses. That's a real saying, but it's like, <laughs> you will go broke and be unhappy trying to do that. So um, I first fell in love with you watching Community. And and to be quite honest, that was, I actually took time out and went to a community college. And so that was like my first, that was my first like hit, if you will, in the real world. Because at that time I was trying to like rebuild myself and figure it out. And I'm like, what? happened like how did I get here so seeing like your character Shirley on community I was like oh I go to school with these people I am this person like it's okay it was relatable um but are there any characters that you ever have been like drawn to more than others or what is it that kind of like helps you get in the inspiration so that you can deliver these performances so authentically you know what's so funny in the beginning of my career uh that check was my inspiration (laughs) My motivation. Keep it real. Listen, they're gonna call they're gonna pay me to let me go on. I, I really in the beginning of my career, I didn't really take a lot of time going, well, how do I feel about this? I've always been mindful that I am a black woman, that I'm a woman of a certain size, that I was I'm a woman with natural hair. Like there are certain things about my physicality that I know um someone that looks like me may take the ride through me as they watch this piece. So I always try to pick roles that don't disparage black women that don't disparage women of a certain size that don't make fun of women with natural hair or in in the case of Shirley Christian women, because I'm a Christian as well. So I always want to make sure that as I pick a role, that it's something that I can lovingly portray, even if they're flawed and Shirley was very flawed, but even if they're flawed, I want to make sure that there's something, there's a twinkle or there's something in there that people can um, latch onto or learn from um, sometimes the roles you play are your cautionary tale. It's not like be like me. It's don't be like me. Let me show you how horrible this will turn out for you 
if you live life the way I do in this movie, right? So it all depends on 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 that. Um, I will never take something uh, for money uh, or clout or whatever that makes black people look bad. That ain't never gonna happen. Like okay. every role I take, I'm always like, I gotta honor who I am, the the, the body that I move through life with. Um, I want to be a credit to my race, so I try to make sure that I don't harm us just to pay pay the light bill. Exactly, I love that. P- Peter ain't gonna be looking at me like, oh, so on this day. Yeah. <laughs> explain this because if you try to get to the left side of heaven like we gotta have a conversation so i love that um in terms of just even looking at the world though that we are living in today every morning i wake up and i'm like are we on chapter three of revelations is it giving like you know revelations like where are we at in this process how have you maintained your sanity your peace of mind and just navigating we're past navigating ambiguity just navigating at times the insanity that seems to be happening all around us. You know, I am an introvert. So a lot of what goes on in the world, I am not a part of because I'm home with my dad, who I take care of and my dog. So that's part of my sanity, just uh, keeping my sanity, just trying to remove myself from the fray when stuff gets a little crazy. I also, everybody knows this, like I'm not even embarrassed to say it anymore. I love building Lego. Like it is one of my favorite things. It's, it's a, it centers my mind and it, it lets me not think about anything else except having a perfectly built Yoda when I'm done or a perfectly built pickup truck or whatever I happen to be building. So that's another way. And then I also remember that, you know, none of this is forever. Even us, even us being in this space, this earthly plane is not forever. So if it's not something that's ever going to last forever, then none of it can really matter that much. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's how do I find a, a bit of joy today that'll carry me through the rest of these 24 hours. And I'm really only concerned with these 24 hours, even with my calendar, girl. Like I don't even look at what I have to do until the night before. I don't want to know what I got to do Saturday or Sunday. What did I do today? So I look at that night for what the next day is. And I only deal with what the next 24 hours is going to be. And that means even if it's, if it's a crappy day, I can make it through it. It's 24 hours. I can do 24 hours of crappy, you know, with the hope that it's going to be 24 hours of excellence and wonderfulness the next day, you know? Yeah, you have to, I kind of take it as like, how do you eat an uh, elephant or how do you do it? Like a bite at a time. And so treating, treating time like that or treating my day has definitely helped me. I think also I've become very more, I don't know if you can speak to this, but I've become much more intentional about who I am around um, just because energy transfers are real. And I think for me, I finally had to get to a place of understanding my own power in terms of why I felt so depleted all the time. I was like, you know what? It's not that I'm a bad person. It's because I'm a light. <laughs> but at right. the same time, like you keep surrounding yourself around darkness or around unhealed trauma or people who aren't working towards the same things you are, you are going to get vampire sucked every single time. I remember there was this, uh, a line from Different World. I always say it wrong. So I need to really actually find the episode and make sure I say it right next time I say it. But Dwayne Wayne, I don't know, even know who he was talking to, but Dwayne said, baby love drains you like a tub. Real love fills you like good grub, right? Now he was talking about romantic love, right? But that really works for any situation. It works for the job you're working on, the, the Zoom interview you're in, your friendship relationships. If it is uh, immature and crazy and negative, you are going to leave that space or that Zoom call or that job or that relationship or that lunch feeling depleted. If it is, if it's a higher thing, if it's a God thing, if it's, it's something that you're called to and it's divine, you're going to leave the situation feeling full, right? So you really just need to look at every time you walk away from someone, goodbye, see you next time. How do you feel when you hang up the phone from the person? How do you feel? And if you get off the phone and you go, oh, or if you see somebody's name come up on your caller ID and you're like, oh, like, what do they want? <laughs> like, why are you answering the phone? Like, don't, that's not somebody that needs to be in your sphere. And, you know, I lost my mom last year. It's been about seven, seven months since I lost my mom. And it's so funny. After I lost her, I immediately started clearing house. I said, sis, anyone can get it. <laughs> like, anyone. I, I think, yeah, I'll let you go. Cause that was actually going to lead me into, into my next question for you. Just like yeah. how you've been balancing just the flow and ebbs. And I'm not, I refuse to say when it comes to grief, the first year's the hardest. 
any year. No, it's, it's all listen, and, and I know you know it's yeah. it, it's the idea of what the loss taught me in particular, especially this loss, because you know we all have lost people, but your you know your mom is a big one, your father's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, what this taught me was life is short, and I no longer want to play patty cake with mediocrity. Mm-mm. I don't care who's bringing it. I don't want to be in a mediocre job. I don't want to have mediocre friendships. I don't want to. I don't want to walk through life with people that are not determined to be better. Mm-hmm. Right. I can walk with you if you are working every day, like I'm working every day to be a better human being to other people. If you are not doing that work and it is not your desire to go higher, mm-hmm. I can't walk with you no more. I'm going to pray to the Lord, send you somebody else to help you on your journey, but it's not me. It's I, not me. I completely feel that. And I think for me, the way I, I started to say it to myself mentally is like, my daddy didn't believe in me to for me or he didn't believe in me this hard for me to not fulfill my dreams. And that's the thing, not living his life, you know, because that's when my father wanted to be a pilot. Planes freak me out. So I'm like, no, I'm not going to be the aviator in the family. But he always encouraged me, whoever it is that you want to be, I support you a thousand percent. And don't come to me with this doubt. Because I know you have the capabilities. Oh, no. If you have someone that's putting that type of support into you and then they're not physically here, mm-hmm. you still, though, have that spiritual connection with them of being like, I can't fail because I know I have them guiding me. Right. And yes, yeah, so there are some days where you are just selfishly just like, this this sucks. I don't oh. care. I want them here. I want to hear someone respond to me in this conversation. But when you think about the totality of relationships, like, man, how blessed are we to have like those type of people? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Like the the mourning and the grief comes because of how great the love was. Yes. I think you should never forget that. Like if somebody can pass away and you're like, well, you know, it was nice to know you, then you probably ain't love them that much. If you really, really love them, you, you should be jacked up a little bit. Now, not debilitated. You got to get up and you got to go to your job and you got to feed yourself, walk your dog. You can't like crumble and, and, and atrophy. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's, you celebrate the life, you know, the little things like my mother, my mother used to always say to me, um, she was like, Yvette, you know, everyone that make up, this is a a shallow thing, but it's, it it has a point. She'd be like, Yvette, everybody that does your makeup does a great job, but I actually really love it when you do your own makeup, like a small thing like that. Now I've been doing the view all week. I started doing it last minute, right? So they called me like 5am on Tuesday, like, you know, Sarah can't come in. Can you do it? So I was like, yeah, but then listen, we're in the middle of COVID. Who am I? Right. I can't call nobody to come in here to do my makeup. And, and I can beds are way more tight than they were. Exactly. Yeah. And then to call someone at five o'clock in the morning, I can't do that. So I went into the bathroom and was like, okay, let's put on a Maybelline. <laughs> and okay. I'm doing great. I did my own face all week. I did my face today. And so as I was doing my face each morning, I heard my mother in the back of my mind going, well, I like how you do your face anyway. Like it's going to be great. You know, so it's like little things like that, like little things that they said to us or that they instilled in us, they pop up. They just pop up when you need them and they 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 keep you going. And then just, you know, looking in the mirror and seeing them looking back at you because we got their features and, you know, it's just all, it's all okay. Like, that's what I'm realizing. Like, it sucks. It sucks, but it's okay because this is what life is. And what's the other, what's the other way? One of us had to go first. Exactly. Right. So it's there's no parent on this earth that would want to go before their child. So the natural order of things is that they're going to have to go before us. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head with that. I think also in terms of. Of just the fact of. Understanding as huge as a moment as this is for us. Right. Because I think also one thing that I had to process when my dad passed, I wasn't just mourning my daddy dying. I was mourning who I was when he was alive. There's a a thinly veiled lie that is there that they're going to be there forever. So it's like sometimes you can be shallow. Sometimes you can be. But it's like then you realize, like, wait, no, they they aren't. And so that bubble bursts and you realize, like, oh, it's my turn on this carousel now, because as deeply as I'm hurting, I am not the first person in the history of humanity to lose a parent, lose a parent. Like, isn't that, yeah, there's a great equalizer in that. The understanding that this is not, this is not new under the sun. Mm -hmm. It is not new to, to, uh, civilization. This has happened since the beginning of time. How do you, how do you move past or not even past it? How do you move through it? Move through, right. How do you move through it? Not something you can skate around. 
you can, you, can, you, can, you can, but it ain't going to end well if you do. You better go on. No, go you'll get. be 65. You'll see the, like the emotional trauma of people older than you. And it's just like, oh, this right. is what it looks like when you don't process it. That's okay. Right. Got That's it. But even looking at something like that and the fact that you are creative and you are an artist at heart, like how have you been able to kind of like channel that or or to still find the joy in what it is that you're doing? I know you you just mentioned like that beautiful makeup story in the sense of like you can hear your mother now in that aspect. And first of all, save your money. No shade. Like also if you're supporting black and brown like makeup artists in the industry, keep going. But you do a a damn good job, sis. Thank you. I'm kind of I'm kind of proud of my I put myself together all week. I was like at five o'clock in the morning I'm getting this hair and face together. I be knocking on the doors like charging people like Sonny, you need me to touch no kidding. Like this is what everybody says. Listen, no, it's 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 great. Like um how do I process it all? Um, is that what the question is? How do I process it all? How do I? How have you been able? And it's okay if you haven't gotten to that point. But you know, a lot of times people channel the grief. They channel like those hard uh, right. And they turn it into like the next phase of that that artistic expression. You know, I, you know, I I think that it's kind of like uh, the Karate Kid, wax on, wax off. I think that I have learned some things that I don't yet know that I've learned. I feel like I've some things are percolating in my mind that will spring forth creatively later that I may be not be aware of, might may not yet be aware of. Because the funny thing is the last seven months, I've just been surviving, right. like a hundred percent surviving and, and making sure that I can still show up for everything that I said yes to before I lost her. So there's been a lot that, you know, I, I did a lot of uh, animated shows. I'm, I do a lot of voiceovers. I did a lot of animated shows during the pandemic and almost all of them de- debuted and premiered in the seven months since my mother passed. So I've been doing like Zoom meetings and junkets and I got nominated for an Emmy for the first time this year. And that was after my mom passed. Thank you, hon. So it's like, I've been focused on just the next, like I said, looking at the calendar and go, okay, I got to do this, this, this. So I don't know that I ever, that I, in this time, I've taken the time to go, let me just figure this out. I have in the last um, month started my therapy because I had a therapist and I needed a, a new therapist that dealt more with grief. And so I've now found that person and just had my second session. And I feel like that is the, that will be me really like getting to the marrow of the bone and yeah. And dealing with the things that I really need to deal with that I might not be aware of right now, but, um, the creative process and and in the ways that I'll channel it later, I think it'll come, it'll come to me at the time. And and it'll be just like me having that makeup moment. I'll hear my mother and I'm like, Oh, this is Fran. This is, you know, this is a gift from Fran. Yes. I, and I love the fact of how even with you having a therapist and then pivoting to specifically like a grief therapist. I know for me, like I'm in a specific and I, I love my therapist. She is worth every penny. But I, and we've been channeling it in terms of like it's called EMDR. Yeah. So just more so like those childhood traumas that you might have suppressed. Yes. Finding a way to, you know, create your happy place so you can navigate through them. But that so you can correctly now process it. Right. So I know it's going to be a journey. I know it's going to get like heavy before it gets lighter. But I'm happy that I at least have the strength to do it and to hear that, you know, it is a strength to sit here and talk about things that are that are breaking your heart, you yeah. know, and, and to get past it and be like, whoo. Yeah, I can I can feel a little bit lighter and go on to the next. And also, this is the thing: like, what if a broken heart is is needed in life? What if there's seasons of of your life where you need to be kicked in the teeth a little bit or in the, in the right. gut, so that you can process the trauma, so that you can come out of it greater? You know, I don't think I don't think God wastes anything in life. I think that if you're if you're available and you're open, He will use anything to make things better for you and, and ultimately for the world, because that's the whole thing. Like it's never supposed to, it was never meant for us to spend an entire lifetime just working on ourselves. Like how how just wasteful is that? If you just spend the totality, well, I just want to make myself better. At some point you got to just get better. Right. And then you can start helping the world be better. That's the whole point of becoming better so that you're not out in the world wreaking havoc. Right. So get right. Up, right, get your stuff Destroy together. Somebody else's piece because exactly. you can't find yours. Like, you ain't got none. So find your piece so you can be a little bit of peace for the world. Exactly. I love that. I believe, um, and forgive, I, I don't remember the culture specifically, and I, I believe it's called Ikibar, but I'll, I'll definitely research it. But basically, it's an Asian tradition in which if something cracks, they just feel oh, the whole that gold. Gold. Mm-hmm. 
And I let, and every time I see a piece of artwork and it, it turns like just something so mundane and simple, a teapot, a, bo- a, a, a bowl, a kettle, whatever, into this beautiful piece of artwork. And I'm like, how amazing to think of ourselves like that. Right. You know, we aren't perfect, but we can be a beautiful piece still in the end. Um, so one thing that always I think has bonded us, even though like it was just a social media connection, is the fact that like we both speak our minds. And so, <laughs> and definitely I'm like, now that I work um, more so in social media, it's just really one of those things like, look, y'all know who y'all hired. So <laughs> I didn't lie. You knew who I was when I right. walked in the door. Um, right. But cancel culture is just all around us. Now, I don't know if this was like the tail end of the millennial generation going now into Gen Z or or when we got this sensitive. But how do you... I'll tell you mine after, but how do you navigate through cancel culture? Because for me personally, I think at times like it doesn't make sense, but how do you kind of like just, just keep your freedom of speech and, and your opinions when you have such a public following? I mean, I, the way I handle it is I don't care. <laughs> I really don't. I got a buzzer button. I should have brought it over here. I don't. I swear to you, I don't care because this is the thing. Um, I, I I speak the truth. I'm not I'm not lying, and I'm not trying to hurt nobody. So you know, and and the thing is, if your if your feelings are hurt, then you probably didn't did something crappy, right? Or it's the way you say it. Like I'm never gonna get on the platform and just be like f this f that. Like it's no. always it's, it's I always try and lead with love. It's curated. Like mm-hmm. the thing, the things I've seen you do it. I do it. We we say what we need to say, but we I I try to say it with humor. I always say it with love, but it's always the truth. Like I'm not saying something just off the top of my head. I'm really, I've I've researched it. I've looked into it. I know what I'm saying. And on the rare chance that I'm wrong about a tweet, like, and and I, and the reason I say rare chance is because I know tweets are forever and I don't want to lead anybody astray. So I'm even more diligent when I'm tweeting than even just having a conversation with someone. So when I do get it wrong, no one apologizes quicker. No one. So if I know that I'm not lying, that I'm leading with love, I'm, I, and I apologize when I get it wrong, then where, what is there to fear when it comes to cancel culture? And the other side of it is I'm an introvert and would rather be at home anyway. So you want to take my job? I'll just relax. And I save my money. So come at me. What are you, what are you going to do to someone that saved their money? So if I lose all my jobs and, and I'll get a job, I have no problem working. I'll go to, I'll go to Starbucks. You, this is not deep. This is something that I would, I really, it was almost scary once I realized I'm like the problem a lot of times, it's not the amount of money made. It's the fame aspect. Yeah. Because let me tell you one thing. I would gladly be a one hit wonder for the right <laughs> song. Okay. Like you give me my royalties and right. turn this FHA loan into a conventional one. You will really? never see me again. Like, me. I'm, I'm always, my eye is always on retirement. People think I'm joking. I literally am trying to get my Howard Hughes on. I want to be behind some hedges and have Inst- uh, Instacart dropping off my food. Y'all ain't going to see or hear from me. Y'all gonna be like, wasn't there used to be a little fat faced girl used to be on television all the time? Shit, yeah, she, I'll be, I'll be in the ether. Never I'll be in the ether. Right, it ain't that deep. I don't, and I'm, and everybody knows girl that I don't give a crap about fame. I don't want to be famous. I've never chased fame. I'm right. not trying to hold on to fame. It's fame is vapor. I've said that forever. Fame is vapor. It does not exist. It's not real to it, mm-hmm. to want to be that to want to be followed and have somebody in your bushes taking your pictures and going now through it's on a completely different level just because there's so many more platforms. Like yeah. beforehand, you, not even to be funny, but we see a lot of these documentaries that pop on on like Netflix and Hulu now where it's like, oh, that's what was happening in old Hollywood. But it's like, right, because everyone shut up for 60 years yeah. or died off. Now it's a matter of it's frozen in time. We all know Freaknik happened in Atlanta, but the thing is there was no, no pictures. There's no, no pictures. So now your neighborhood politician is out here, you know, all suited and booted. And it's like they were college kids, too. But for future, you know, more current generations, everything is frozen in time. And and I kind of at times I love the reminders that and don't get me wrong. I delete the post. I'm like, God, I was an idiot. What, what was I going through this day? But <laughs> I love at times the reminders because it does help me show like you can't condemn people because you're not the same. Hopefully, if you're growing. Mm-hmm. I hope you are not 
thinking like this immature, overly emotional 18 year old, like right. there should right. be some maturity to you or a little bit of, of feeling settled. Right. And like, then it also goes to the thing about are if you have harmed people, even if it was when you were 18 and they call you out on it, do you just say, you know what, I, that, what you just said, I am sorry. I was an idiot at 18. I said right. some things, did some things, you know, but I promise you, I'm not that person anymore. I've evolved. The time has evolved. This is not like, that's, that's the apology. If you get it wrong, you just say you're sorry, but, uh, but mean it. Like, don't, if, if somebody, if you say something and somebody don't like it and they tell you, you have to apologize, but you know, you told the truth and you're, and you standing by it, then own it. Now deal with the consequences and the repercussions that come from yeah. not saying goodbye. I'm sorry, but don't give no sorry, mealy mouth apology if you don't mean it. Exactly. I'm sorry the way you took it. I'm sorry that's how you felt. What? No. Like, hey, that's not no. an apology. No, because we can see it coming too. Like, don't apologize because you're trying to hold on to your bag. Exactly. Or apologize. your PR team is going, Come actually, on, man. Come you on, man. have to say something Apolog- now. Yeah, apologize because you were you were actually wrong. I remember I had to, I went through some stuff. I think, well, Twitter is go through some stuff with Twitter trolls. It sounds- You had a moment. Where- I had a moment. <laughs> so but I said some things a, a few years ago when I was on the um, on the View and I said some things about Melania Trump that I meant that I would say again today. And it blew up and everybody, you know, all the little MAGA people going crazy and whatever, whatever. And I never apologized because I'm not sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm not sorry. Now, the thing I did apologize for was bringing the heat to The View. Because I respect the view and I love the view, and my opinions as a guest co-host should never sh- cost, cast a shadow on that wonderful show. So I apologize that my honesty was revealed at that table. Like it should have just stayed on Twitter or wherever else. But, um, but I never apologize for what I said, and I will never apologize for what I said. So you have to, if you're gonna say it, if you mean it and you say it, own it. I own it that, yeah and that's that's that comes with maturity and just the, and that also comes with uh upbringing and home training <laughs> to be quite honest because it's like i know for a fact i don't even have to remember at times when i say i do but i've always known like my parents didn't raise a liar nope. and so if you come to me with this i will definitely be like oh okay yeah so we can talk about why it was said and now we can even move past it or not but yeah. I love that. Or just and to me it's kind of freeing because so many other people are so caught up on the image and the branding and the, you know, I'm this type of guru, I'm this person. And it's like I have absolutely no desire for any of that. But this is how you get by it though, Joy, if you actually are yourself. Like brand you. True. Like who who I am right now talking to you is the same person I am when I'm at the grocery store in the line, same person I am on set. I don't change. I am Yvette from East Cleveland. I have been Yvette from East Cleveland. Hey. This earth, Yvette from East Cleveland. You are Joy from Chicago, right? Not down all day. You this is, right. So this is what it is. And so as long, if, if you don't change yourself to be accepted and brand, I, I'm, I'm Yvette Nicole. Right? No, I'm Yvette Nicole Brown. Like just be who you are. If you are, if you are who you are, you yeah. don't have to worry about the two sides of you and trying to be what you think people need you to be. I never, I don't change for people. I'm who I am. And I think that's the thing, like me from such an early age, having to do that just because, you know, certain religion or just certain things about my upbringing, Mm -hmm. when you finally do break free and and finally sit with yourself and realize like, Oh, this is who I really am. I'm never going back. So it's like you, that compromise is just, it's not one I can make. Um, have to you shouldn't have to change who you are be who you are and and your tribe your people your Mm -hmm. village your crew will find you your fans followers the people that vibe with you like i was thinking about this the other day because i do instagram lives on instagram and my lives in the moment i don't think i mean sometimes we get up to like 400 people but usually it's about 120 130 people in there at any given time and i never stress like well i need thousands of people i don't though like the people that are in there are the people that are supposed to be in there and right. in order to get a larger following on any of these social media platforms, I would have to stop saying what I say. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause right. Because I'm so I'm so liberal. I'm so down for the brown. I'm so I'm a Christian. Like there's certain things about me that other people who aren't those things are like, I can't vibe with her. Talk about Jesus too much. Or I can't vibe. If I did this, this, like, hey guys, so like, if I I would, oh man, millions, millions. If I sold some flat tummy tea, millions. (laughs) Okay, but but I, I, I have the following that I'm supposed to have, 
and I always say, I say, you know, if it ends up being me and two people on here, we're going to rock on the, the three of us and, and it's going to be bomb. It's going to be what it's that. supposed to be. You can't change yourself to get things. Just be you and the, and, the, and the experiences you're supposed to have and the friendships and the relationships you're supposed to have will come to you. Authentically. Definitely. I think that's something, right, where it's like uh, if you're rushing the process, that is most definitely when you're going to open yourself up to something you ain't want or to a mistake, you know, or maybe a lesson that you didn't necessarily have to learn in that moment. But um, so talking about your beat face, your edges that stay um, well moisturized and everything, <laughs> I need your big sisterly advice because I'm just like, I know I am one hell of a Whole Foods package, okay? And I just, how are you navigating what is the craziness of dating or just like that life? Or are you just like, look, I'm I mean, that goes and leave me alone. Listen, I mean, I'm sort, I've sort of been that for seven months. I really have not been looking. I, um, I mean, this this brother's circling like the the stay stay uh, moisturized. Yeah. But um, I, I personally reaching a certain age. I just turned fifty in last year in twenty twenty one. Liar. Turned, yeah. yeah. And let me tell you why I tell people, because I want people to know that it's not the end of the world to age. The alternative is you're not here. And, <laughs> right. And so I feel like if I tell people my age in the same way that I share my my uh, a day that's not great, it gives people permission to celebrate and enjoy their age. Right. Now, it ain't for everybody. Everybody got a call. Some people don't want to tell the age because they feel like it'll affect their opportunities. I told you I'm I'm winding down now. So if, if I lose out on a gig because I told people I'm 50, then that was not my gig and it's okay. But in turning 50, I'm still single. I've never had kids. So of course that the kid thing is over. Um, I had to assess and go, you know, how bad has it been being single all these years? And honestly, it hasn't been that bad. Like I know a lot of, I have a lot of friends that are on their second marriage. I have a lot of friends that have a bunch of kids from different dudes. I have, a, I have friends that are um, in relationships where, where their mates don't respect them or honor them the way they should. Um, some people are in stuff because they, they don't have the finances to leave to take care of themselves or their kids. Like there's a lot of stuff happening that I did not have to experience. Um, I have a goddaughter who's 16 now and she's, she's my kid. I feel like I mother everybody. You one of my kids. So I feel like I got to have, yeah, I got to have the, the, the mothering, nurturing part of my life. I still believe that I can find my great love. I don't feel like it's over. You know, if I could still get 25 years with somebody, you know what I mean? I just got to find the right, the right guy that, that speaks to my spirit and who, and who gets me and who I get. Right. And then we can build a nice life. So I'm not giving up on it up to this point. It's been a bit of a shit show, but um, <laughs> I have accepted the humanity of the men that I've chosen to love and I wish them well as they go out in the world and try to find whatever they're looking for. Um, and I'm going to continue to try to find what I'm looking for. But I will say this, um, do not settle. Life is, life is short, but yet it is too long to be rolling over looking at somebody that drives you crazy. That's just not living, right? Now, the the child thing, the the wanting to have a child, if that's what you or anyone watching wants to do, for women, there is a time period for that, right? In order to have a healthy child, right? So you want to make sure that you look at all your options, talk to your doctor and figure out what is the best route for you if you want to birth a child of your own, have a child of your own. That's the only thing that requires thought if you're not yoked up with someone. Yeah, but I'm 32 I, yeah. and now kind of starting to have those thoughts. And that's, I, I mean, we can definitely offline about, about this more, but I'm actually about to have a procedure just because I was like, what is bothering me? Like, what's her? And so I realized like, oh, sis, fun. So, you know, just taking care of reproductive health. And right. if it was the first time I actually had to think about like, oh yeah, kids. Yeah, think about it. Think about it because it's the thing about the career side of things, right? Like, I never decided not to get married. I just never met the guy. Like, I, I, I mean, I met guys, but I didn't meet the guy. I never was in a relationship with the guy that would would lead to that love and that that commitment for me, right? So, you have to take a moment to try to figure out what what do I want to do because when I while I wasn't meeting the guy, I was consistently working and working and working, and then you look up and it's like ten years have gone by. Okay, now. You know what I mean? Okay, now I'm turning 40. Okay, now I turn 50. So you have to to really take a moment to actually think about it while you still while it's still a, a viable option for you. So, and again, 
I'm I'm on the other side. I'm on, I'm 50 again and I I don't have kids and I can tell you it's okay. Like it's really okay. Now, if it is a burning desire for you and I got to be a mama, figure it out. Figure it out sooner than later. I always think I'm I've always come off kind of like I've never saw myself in a mother role, but I think it's more so maybe tied into the that's the more of a trust or a comfort thing of being with the right person. And you know, the things you unpack in therapy and you realize like, oh, it's not that I don't want kids. I don't want to deal with the trauma of, of, of right. reliving what that was oh, like as a kid. Or, or inflict that trauma on this poor innocent baby that ain't had nothing to do with what my mama or daddy did to me. Exactly. <laughs> they didn't exactly. love me right now. I'm, now I'm destroying this child. You know, and this is the thing, like, it, for me too, it was always like, I always saw kids as a natural extension of a great love. Like I, I fall in love, I get married and me and this guy create this little baby. That's a, a, a perfect example of our love for each other. So for me, if I never, I never found the dude. So I, I, there was, it wasn't, I wasn't one of those women that was like, I want to be a mom no matter what. I grew up in a single parent home. I know how hard that is. I don't want to be the reason that a child did not have everything they could have had, had I had a husband and then had them, right. Exactly. Or, or a committed relationship and then had them. So again, it's a very individual decision to make. It's just, you're young enough still, babe, where well, you could do it. If you want to do it, you can yeah. do it. So just decide if it's something that you, that you want, that you have to do. And if it is something that you have to do, you still have time to figure out how to make that happen for you. Girl. Also, part of me, the little shallow part, I'm just like, look, I finally got my health goals together and this stomach is getting flattered. Now you're going to throw me back on the other side. Like, well, it's, you could, you could figure it out and say, I'm going to get a surrogate. I'm going to, I'm going to use my egg and I'm going to use you know, this, the, the sperm of a, a, a guy you're dating or go to a, a, there's a lot of ways, go to a sperm bank and just, and get a surrogate. And then it's not your body. There's a lot of ways to do it. There's a lot of, no pun intended. There's more than one way to skin a cat in 2022. So right. I, I definitely right. believe that. But so in terms of even like just navigating your personal and still your professional, like I know you wrote that amazing screenplay, like all way. And also because I, I get sometimes the words get messed up. I wouldn't necessarily, was it a screenplay? Would, would you be technically a screenwriter? I know that it was an actual. I answer to anything. It could be, screen, okay. it could be a script. I'm a writer. I'm a screenwriter. Whatever you want to say is fine. Okay. That's how I'm like, would this be taken like theatric? Like where does this level out? Okay, cool. So I know you wrote um, Always a Bridesmaid, right? And so looking at that and the success of it, I was just like, okay, adding these credentials. Um, is that something that was a beautiful experience you want to move forward with? Was it more so like, okay, we've done that now and now we don't, you know, we don't want to do it. You know, what's funny. I remember when, uh, Ben Affleck and, and Matt Damon, you know, it was Matt Damon wrote, um, Goodwill Hunting and they got the Oscar or whatever. And then you've ne- they haven't written that to my knowledge, at least not together. They haven't written anything else since then. And I feel like sometimes that always a bridesmaid was so fulfilling. Like it's, it did really well. It's on DVD. I got nominated for an Image Award for writing. Um, uh, so it's it kind of did really, it, it did, it gave what it was supposed to give in regards to my life. And I tell people all the time, like, I, I didn't write it. Like, I'm going to be a script writer. Like, I love writing. It's something that I, that I believe I have a gift for. But I wrote it because at the time I wrote it, which was back in like 1998, there were no Black romantic comedies that mirrored the white romantic comedies. Like we had like, uh, I think Jason's lyric was out. And um, I think we had Love Jones may have been, yeah, Love Jones may have been out then, but these weren't romantic comedies in the same way while you were sleeping was a romantic comedy or when Harry met Sally was a romantic comedy, you know, things like a man and, and things like that came later. So when I wrote this, I was writing the film that I wanted to see. And in my mind, I'm going to write it. And then whenever I want to see it, I'll read it. I'll just pull it out and I'll read it because my mind is very vivid. I'll be able to see Karina and Mark and I'll be able to see Chicago and I'll be able to see this world. And it was just going to be for me. And then God had other plans. And a friend of mine, Nakaya Brown, I talk about her all the time. She um, she has a company uh, with our director, Trey Haley, who directed Always a Bridesmaid. They have a company called Tridestin and they were looking for a romantic comedy script. And I said, well, I got this thing I wrote like 15 years ago. I can give it to you. This is that it was maybe 15 years at the time I had written it and she, they optioned it. And then it took eight years from me telling her about the script to it becoming a movie. It took eight years. So sometimes, you know, um, and we weren't doing development all that time. It's just life happened. Nakaya ended up losing her mother. And then that took some time from her. And they had some other things that they wanted to do with Tridestin. But then when it was the right time, because I tell Javicia Leslie, who's our, our bat woman uh, now, and um, Jordan Calloway, who played Mark, Javicia played Karina. 
I say to them all the time, I didn't know it at the time, but I was writing this script for you guys. And when I wrote it, y'all were like five and eight. <laughs> so it took, I had to, the, the Lord waited until you guys were of age to play Mark and Karina because they were always destined to be Mark and Karina. Even when I was writing it, that's who was supposed to play it. So sometimes your blessing takes a little longer to come into fruition because it's not just your blessing. It's a blessing for other people as well. So you got to just stay in the flow and let God do what God's going to do. And you plant the seeds and you let God be concerned with the harvest. I, yeah, I, I love, oh man, I didn't even think when I wrote this, you were five and eight, but I wrote it for you. I like, wrote it for you. I, I can't even imagine how it feels like someone said that to me. And just, just what that, in terms of a full circle moment and to think of like, you're the, the branches that everyone's life, your life truly is not your own, you know, yeah. like the, the extensions right. and the branches and the people that you touch. It is, it's beyond, way beyond just coincidental, you know? Yeah. I, I, I remember, I, I remember uh, after Always a Bridesmaid, when Javicia was up for Batwoman, Always a Bridesmaid was one of the things that she showed them to, mm -hmm. to show what she could right. do as a woman, right? And so I am honored that something that I, that I wrote, that she, she killed, she killed it as an actress in it, um, was able to show the people at the CW and, and Greg Berlanti's company, this woman is the shit. She could be that woman. And they saw it. Not just that. I mean, her audition was amazing and she yeah. the things, but I was really humbled to realize mm -hmm. that um, she was able, sorry, my dog just yawned, um, that she was <laughs> able to use it as like a calling card for what she could do. Like this, I'm saying, like, like you just said also, like your blessings are never just for you. Yeah, they are. But we are wrapping <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you just like how appreciative I am of you just because when I started Joy Has Questions, like I was, in, you know, with my cousin in our hot little, you know, walk up apartment and I had just been laid off for I was just sad all the time. And um, I started just doing those videos as a way to kind of like just channel myself. And when you followed me back and I was just like, how in the hell? Like, do nothing out of, with the algorithm. Um, you did, and this is before the algorithm. Like I don't even know how I found you, but I remember. Honest to God, no, no, no. I remember looking at your videos, going, "This sis is just amazing," and I still feel that way. And I and there's 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 gifts that you have that have not even been unearthed yet. Like there's things that that God has planted in you that are going to spring forth in ways you can't even imagine, honey. Like this world is about to open up for you. And you just have to make sure that you don't lose, don't lose hope because there's going to be in every journey, especially one that's for God, there's going to be moments where it's a little bleak, it's a little dark and, and you will feel that it should have happened by now. Right. I'm going to tell you something. I didn't even start my acting career really until I was your age. Wow. So I did, I did girlfriends at 32. Girlfriends was the first sitcom I ever did. I was 32. So what I'm saying to you is that may seem like, oh, I'm 32. I don't, you right where you're supposed to be. You're right where you're supposed to be. You are, and you're, you're on camera brilliance. First of all, you are smart as a whip. You are a great writer. You're beautiful. You're kind and you're smart. How could you not win? How could you not win? Uh, I do not have a makeup artist and I forgot to put on primer. So we are not about to do this. Like, no, but, um, I receive all of that. I, I I know we have not physically met. I can't wait to do so because I'm like, yay, I get to, well, safely because I'm not, I, right, I'm like, right. wave across the street. But right. <laughs> um, the light that you shine, just, I think this is a beautiful testimony just to the fact of like, just amazing Black women that I'm privileged to know to continue to inspire me just by being yourselves. and. You know, I've been very vocal about the fact that I haven't at times had good relationships with like older black women like that. That is my the crux of my trauma. It's not it's never been made relationships. It's been women. And, you know, thank you. Honest to God, thank you for being an example of like just what a good support system looks like. Well, this know? is the thing, too. Like this is this is your new day. Right. Yeah. So whatever happened in the past happened in the past. And this is the thing, too, about the traumas in the past. They, they serve a purpose too. They really do. Like so, traumas don't just happen to destroy us. Sometimes they happen to make us stronger. 
Sometimes they happen to teach us who we don't want to be, right? So that we can go exactly so we can go into the world and be better people. And so I I believe that you're going to continue to have more older sisters in your life that will speak into you and speak life to you because your perspective is changing about what's possible. Because a lot of times we can't have that new new in our life because we're still playing old tapes of what we expect, right? I can't expect a good day if I go out into the day going, it's about to be a shitty day. I, you, right. you always you're going to find exactly what you expect. So if you go out in the world thinking that older black women don't support me or they don't see me or they don't believe in me, then you will keep running into older black women that don't. If you change that, that programming and you look around and go, well, the event believes in me and this person believes in me. So that means the thing you've been telling yourself ain't even true. It's a lie that you're repeating to yourself. And we do that all the time. We rehearse we often rehearse the bad shit. We rehearse the stuff that's horrible and we don't speak life over the, over the things that we want, right? We don't speak on those things like the Bible says, speak on these things that are good and are true. That's what we're supposed to be rehearsing and, and, and saying and giving to other people. So it's going to change for you. You're going to have more, more older black women that are going to come into your life and tell you who you are. And I'm definitely going to speak that into existence myself and have that accountability of like, yes. So a man thinketh is that is what you will be right. like. Right. I want to surround myself around people that see me and that love me and support me. And I'm happy that you're one of them. Yes. Um, everyone, I hope this has been an amazing experience for you all as it has been for myself. Like this is not something in timing, right? Like know her for years through social media, but I'm like, you know what? I got it together. I'm being that consistent. We're on season three of the show. Yes. Um, so all the blessings and success to you, sis. Love you to pieces. And I'm just so, 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 <laughs> I'm just so happy to have the opportunity to talk with you. Thanks for having me. You're so good at this. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, everybody. Hey, everybody. So this week for my motivational message, I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. And that is, Sometimes you have to remind yourself that, look, you just got to fucking do it. And I'm not saying that to be, you know, intentionally crass, but that really is just like sometimes how you have to speak to yourself in the sense of not every day that you are on your journey and getting closer to your destiny or closer to what it is that, you know, the universe and God and, and everything that you are truly meant to be is going to be in this beautifully curated bow. It's not, you know, this. 60 to 30 to 15 second highlight of bloop, there is my journey and on to the next success. It is grinding and persevering and tears and trying to figure it the fuck out. And some days you're like, what is the point? And other days you were just like, look, I need a beat. And then sometimes it's trying to balance if you just need to push through the fact that you feel stuck and stagnant or if this is a moment where you truly need to take that rest. And you're trying to figure out that foresight. And then it's like, oh, I have to meet with this vendor. Oh, I have to talk to this person. Or what do you mean? I thought I really killed it with this content. It only got such and such likes. Like all of these swirling emotions that come with whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Clearly, you saw I got personal because that's what my life is surrounded with. Like reaching engagement and this, that, and the third. But whatever it is that you're going after, sometimes you just got to do it and you just have to push through. and. You kind of have to really eat that well one bite at a time. You know, when you step into a marathon, that first mile, you look up and you're like, my God, I got 26.2 left of these to go. How am I going to get there? And some days it is daunting as all hell, but you just have to push through. And that's really all I got for everyone this week. I hope everyone has an amazing week. Please stay safe, stay commonsensical, like just, just make bare bone, common sense decisions. I I don't even need you out here trying to be spectacular. Let's just start with the simple things, beloved. But no, all jokes aside, I hope everyone has an amazing week. Love you to life. And I will see you next week for another episode of Joy Has Questions.